God will judge the world with thirds over and over. And this first judgment comes to a third of all the green foliage. And I suppose if the United Nations is still functioning, and if the president is meeting in the Situation Room, they're not going to have any answers. Welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogy, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church of Beaufort, South Carolina. We're in the book of Revelation, and we've been studying the horrible times that will befall the earth during a period known as the Tribulation. Three series of judgments will take place, each with its own set of unique catastrophes. In chapters 6 and 7, we looked at the seal judgments, and in chapter 8, the next series, the trumpet judgments begin to unfold. And a third of almost everything on earth is destroyed through hail, fire, and earthquakes as four judgments occur in rapid succession. As we move into chapter 9, we're shown the fifth trumpet judgment, and the events that we see give us the title of today's study, When Hell Invades the Earth. Would you take God's holy and errant inspired word and turn to the book of Revelation chapter 9. If you're with us for the first time, almost a year ago, we began a verse-by-verse study of the Revelation, and this morning you can see the message is, when hell invades the earth. Now, we often use the idiom, hell on earth, to describe a difficult time. And so we say, well, my new boss has made my life hell on earth. Or the headline there in the Wall Street Journal a few days ago was entitled, Flew from Hell, Uh, Puerto Rico. 45% of the people as of last week still have no power from the same hurricane we went through last September. And one person who was interviewed this week said, since the hurricane came through our island, life has been hell on earth. I heard someone else describing the Las Vegas shooting that way when interviewed, and still another person interviewed after the California fires. And so if you say... My life or life is like hell on earth. You're describing a very, very difficult time that you are encountering. And again, we use the idiom very loosely and sometimes to exaggerate our circumstances. But what we have here this morning is a literal picture of hell on earth. I mean, momentarily, for a period of months, God is going to unleash a legion of evil like the world has never, ever seen before. Revelation chapter 9, follow along as we begin reading in verse 1. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star from heaven which had fallen to the earth, and the key of the bottomless pit was given to him. He opened up the bottomless pit, and smoke went up out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke came locusts upon the earth, and power was given them, and as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were told not to hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, nor any tree, but only the men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not permitted to kill anyone, but to torment for five months, and their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a man." And in those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, and death flees from them. The appearance of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle, and on their heads appeared to be crowns like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like the hair of women, 
and their teeth were like the teeth of lions. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots of many horses rushing to battle. They have tails like scorpions and stings, and in their tails is their power to hurt men for five months. They have as king over them the angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he has the name Apollon. The first woe is past. Behold, two woes are still coming after these things. Now, as we move through the Revelation, we have been learning quite a bit about angels. And we live in a day where both Christians and non-Christians are both grossly misinformed about angels. When someone dies, we say, well, that person has become an angel or they've received their angel wings. No, that's not true. God made a fixed number of angels, all wholly original. Some have fallen, a third, and they're called demons. But there's a fixed number of angels. God will never create any more, the Bible reveals. And so we don't become angels. Angels are distinctly different from people. Someday the Bible says we will judge angels. Angels don't multiply, neither, and have little angel babies called cherubs. Uh, This misunderstanding of people becoming like angels comes from a situation that Jesus encountered one day with the Sadducees. They were the religious liberals of the day. They denied the bodily resurrection. They denied the spiritual, invisible world of angels, and they denied life after death. And so to trip Jesus up, they come up with this incredibly ridiculous scenario of a woman who loses her husband and marries and marries seven times over, whose husband will she be in the resurrection? And Jesus said, you are mistaken, not understanding the scriptures nor the power of God from the resurrection. They neither marry nor are given a marriage, but are like angels in heaven. He does not say we become angels, but we are like angels. It's a simile. And that in heaven, we are not married and do not have children. And unfortunately, even Christian artists have portrayed an inaccurate picture of the angelic realm. Very often you see these angels that look very effeminate and these warm, soft, glowing robes, or sometimes it's fat little naked babies that go around with an arrow trying to make people feel love, I suppose. But in the Bible, when God's angels appear, it's rather awesome and sometimes terrifying. In fact, very often they greet the person they meet with the words, fear not. In other words, stop being terrified. The chronicler in describing one angel wrote, and the Lord sent an angel who destroyed every mighty warrior, commander, and officer in the camp of the king of Assyria. And the parallel account, the Bible tells us this angel destroyed 185,000 of Israel's enemies, not some little naked baby with an arrow. To add to the confusion, there are many who want to engage in the angelic realm, and they think it's rather entertaining, harmless, and maybe even fun. But knowing that the Bible reveals that everything spiritual is not spiritually good, when you enter into this realm through Ouija boards or seances or through games like Dungeons and Dragons and very much now through video games that children are playing across America, most of whom parents are totally oblivious to, their children are walking into the demonic realm. I don't think it's by accident that we've had 18 school shootings in the month of January, the first fatal 
this week where two children died. It's incredible the evil that is encompassing our nation. We don't even blink anymore, it seems, when we hear of a school shooting. It doesn't shock us anymore. Every single day, it appears there's some new sexual scandal. The opiate epidemic, pandemic, is out of control. I mean, things just seem to be getting worse and worse. And part of it is what is happening in the invisible realm, and most people don't see that. And then, of course, there are some so-called branches of Christianity who think it's virtually impossible to deal with the dark realm, and they say it takes a lot of holy water and maybe a crucifix pointed at some demon. But listen, our God is a sovereign God. He is in control over every aspect of angels, both holy and fallen. And we're going to see that even in relationship to those fallen minions that worship and live after the evil one, Satan. Now, for those uh, with us for the first time and for the benefit of the rest of us, because I know Peter taught, Jesus illustrated it, that repetition is the great learner and teacher I want to review for just a moment where we are in the book of Revelation. First, the broad context and the immediate context. By now, I think you will remember Revelation 1.19 gives us an overview of the entire book. The things that you've seen, that's chapter 1. It's a vision of the glorified, resurrected Christ in heaven. The things which are, that's in reference to seven churches that were functioning in John's day, seven churches that in many ways are instructive to the entire body of Christ throughout this church age. And then beginning in chapter 4, he is to write about the things which will take place after these things. In other words, those things that follow after the churches. And so it's not by accident that from chapter 4 through the 19th chapter, the church is not present because the door is opened in heaven, which we saw was indicative of the church being caught up and raptured. Now, we're in that futuristic section then of the book. Chapter 4 on is futuristic. It has not yet happened. But we saw in the 4th and 5th chapter, the church caught up in heaven, worshiping the living God. But then when we came to the 6th chapter, like a shock to the senses, God begins to bring the wrath of the Lamb through the sealed judgments. And it's so intense that the initial reaction in 6.16 is the people say, fall on us and hide us from the presence of him, that's Jesus, who sits on the throne, or of the Father, who sits on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb, who's standing next to the Father. Now, critical to understanding chapters 6 through 19 is the heptatic structure. And so we've seen that there are a series of 21 judgments that come in three groups of seven. Heptatic is a 50-cent theological word for sevens. And so there are three groups of sevens. The first seven judgments come as sealed judgments. And so this uh, next chart illustrates first uh, the four seals of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. We spent a sermon on each one of those horsemen and their importance. Then we looked at the fifth seal, which brings us to those who are martyred for their faith during the time of the tribulation, 
who are beheaded because they acknowledge Jesus as Lord and refuse to follow the Antichrist. Then we studied the sixth seal where there was some cosmic changes, the first of several that will lead up to the ultimate cosmic changes just before the coming of Christ, the second coming. And then we saw between the sixth and seventh seal a space of time. So the structure is the same, 777, and between the sixth and seventh seal, between the sixth and seventh trumpet, between the sixth and seventh bowl, there's a parenthesis in each situation. And it looks back to give us a picture of what has been unfolding as the sealed trumpet and bold judgments are coming upon the earth. So between the sixth and seventh seal is chapter seven. And God looks back. And he shows us that as the seals are unfolding, he has saved 144,000 Jewish people who are preaching the gospel to the entire world. And it results in a great multitude of people that no one can number. They are so large, the number of people who come to believe in Jesus during that time. Then the seventh seal is broken. And we saw that in the seventh seal are contained seven trumpets, just like in the seventh trumpet are contained seven bowls of wrath. And so you can see on this next chart, these six trumpet judgments, and then between the sixth and the seventh trumpet is again a space of time. It's chapters 10 through 14. The 15th chapter is kind of an introduction to the bowl judgments, and then the bowl judgments begin to unfold in the 16th chapter. And so when the seventh seal is open and the first trumpet is ready to be sounded, the Bible teaches that there is silence in heaven for half an hour. Dead silence. This is the first silence recorded in all of the Word of God in heaven. Maybe the last, I don't know. But up until this time, this is the first piece of silence ever recorded in Scripture in heaven. There's silence in heaven. What is about to happen is so breathtaking, so awesome, so fearful that everyone is just absolutely quiet. They don't dare breathe a word. Jesus taught on the Mount of Olives that these judgments would be like a woman in labor. And so the birth pangs we saw began with the sealed judgments. We're not in the birth pangs today. We may be in the shadows of a pregnancy, but labor doesn't begin until the church is raptured. And so we saw how God divides in the Olivet Discourse this seven-year period into two halves. And so the sealed judgments begin in the first half, and then there is an event that takes place right in the middle of this seven-year period. Bring up the next slide, if you will. Uh, If you remember, there is a prophecy found in Daniel chapter 9 recording 490 years or 70 weeks of Israel's history. The Jewish people to this day not only have a week of days like we do, but they also have a week of years. And so 77s are 490 years. And as we studied Daniel, we saw that sometimes in a single verse of Scripture, and we illustrated it with a multiplicity of examples from the Bible, you will have both the first and second comings of Christ described. 
And so he describes and prophesies the first 483 years of Israel's history, and then he allows for a space of time, and we're in that space today. By the way, he writes this all before it ever happens, and it comes true to the precisest detail. This is why the critics hate Daniel, and they say Daniel was a late writer. He lived in the second century AD. He didn't write before Jesus 600 years prior. But Jesus doesn't refer to Daniel as Daniel the historian, but as Daniel the prophet. And of course, the Dead Sea Scrolls now confirm that their argument is sheer nonsense to say that Daniel wrote after the fact. And so the first 483 years happened just as he says. The space of time we're in right now is the church is being built, but then the church is going to be removed. And the 70th week, the last seven years will begin. It's divided both by Paul, Jesus, Daniel, and John into two halves. Three and a half years, 42 months, 1260 days each section. And the first half, Israel for the most part is protected. They are the center of attention during this seven year period. And it's not by accident that we see Israel on the map today, reestablished in the land in front and center. During the second half of the tribulation period, for the most part, Israel is persecuted. But right in the middle, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, Jesus said, look out. And people realize it, and so there's silence in heaven for half an hour. Now, let's tighten the context a little bit further. Let's begin reading here in verse 1 of chapter 8. When the Lamb broke the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel came and stood at the altar holding a golden censer, And much incense was given to him so that he might add to it the prayers of the saints on the golden altar which was before the throne. We saw last time that just as there was a tabernacle that God had prescribed to Moses, later the temple, a more permanent structure, he didn't just make it up. The exact pattern and instructions were given to Moses, and the book of Hebrews reminds us that it was according to the tabernacle in heaven. There's a real tabernacle in heaven, and there was an altar there, and that's what we spoke about last time. And the smoke of the incense, verse 4, with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and threw it to the earth. And there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. And so we're told that when this censer is filled with the fire from the altar, there in the heavenly temple, the censer is thrown to the earth. And what happens, there's peals of thunder, sounds, flashes of lightning and an earthquake. Very similar to the sounds we heard in the fourth chapter, except this time there's also an earthquake. You know, when a storm is brewing, the clouds get dark and they begin to boil and you begin to see flashes and you hear thunder and the storm comes. Well, this storm is coming and this time God brings an earthquake with it. Very often in scripture, I did a sermon one time just on earthquakes. And very often when God does an earthquake, he's either putting an exclamation mark on something he just did, or he's giving a notice about something he is about ready to do. And of course, God's patience is beginning to wear thin. We read this morning in Psalm 103, he will not hold his anger forever. 
He is long-suffering, but there is a time when the wrath of God breaks way and it begins to unfold upon this earth. And the people in heaven recognize that, and that brings this silence. And so the first trumpet is revealed in verse 6. I called it last time the brewing storm. Look at verse 6. And the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound them. The first sounded, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood. They were thrown to the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. So the first trumpet sounds, and it announces this judgment on the land, on the vegetation that grows upon the earth. Now, there's still plenty of green grass and vegetation, and again, this is very specific. It is a on the third of the earth. People often ask, is this real? This is very real. Unless there's a simile where God says it's like this or as this, in which case then you interpret the simile, the symbol, and then you literally believe the symbol as it's interpreted. But unless there's some symbol, you just take it at face value. You take it for what it says in the Egyptian plagues. And by the way, these trumpets later on, as we work through the Revelation, these trumpets will be referred to as plagues. And just as the plagues in Egypt were real, Real frogs, real gnat, real flies, real cattle that died, real boils, real hail, real locusts, real darkness, real death on all the firstborn. This is a real plague that comes upon the earth. And so I've told you many, many, many times, if the plain sense makes good sense, don't seek any other sense or you will come up with nonsense. And so Jesus literally interpreted prophecy. He believed that Jonah was swallowed up in a real fish. He believed that Noah and his family was placed into a real ark and a real worldwide flood. And you might want to circle the phrase a third. It's found 13 times, starting in verse 7 all the way through verse 12. In other words, this is not just some random event. This is a very planned, very specific form of judgment that God is meeting out. And again, it has changed from what it was earlier. We saw in the seal judgments how a fourth of the world was affected. Now it's been ratcheted up to a third. And when we come to the bold judgments, it will affect the entire world. Again, precisely what Jesus said, like a woman in labor. And of course, full labor breaks out with the abomination of desolation, which brings you into the second half where all the trumpet and bold judgments take place. First half of the tribulation, it's tribulation, it's milder, but it's not anything compared to what begins to happen as the trumpet and bold judgments begin to unfold. And I don't think it's by accident, as I noted last time, that God repeatedly judges a third of this and a third of that. Because it is at this time that there's an unholy trinity. The number for God is three. We studied that earlier in our series. He is a triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal persons. Even so, Satan, the great imitator, during this time, beginning with the abomination of desolation, will mimic the Holy Trinity. Satan will take the role of God the Father, the Antichrist, the role of God the Son, and the false prophet 
who points men to the Antichrist as the Spirit points men to Christ, he will take the role of God the Spirit. And so God will judge the world with thirds over and over. And this first judgment comes to a third of all the green foliage. And I suppose if the United Nation is still functioning, and if the president is meeting in the Situation Room, they're not going to have any answers. Verse 8, the second angel sounded in something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood and a third of the creatures which were in the sea had and had life died and a third of the ships were destroyed no doubt this is an asteroid of sorts and it brings about a mega tsunami we talked a little bit about this last time and the bible says a third of all the ships will be affected Now, currently, as of 2017, there are 87,483 registered ships. We're not talking about your little motorboat. We're talking about registered ocean-going ships. That excludes the 108 countries in the world that have some size or form of a navy. And the Bible is very clear that a third of all those ships are going to be totally crippled. So think about what's going on. Food production has been immensely diminished in that a third of all the greenery has been taken out. A third of all the ships that carry our foodstuffs and products up and down the coast and around the world are now decommissioned. They are sunk, I suppose. Not to mention the Bible is clear that a third of all the sea life is now dead. There's stinking, rotting carcasses everywhere. Fish, whales, dolphins, you name it. It's an awful thing. And so here's the world that has said no to God, and we're seeing this in our day. There are three kinds of wrath that are described in the Bible. Present wrath, tribulation wrath, future eschatological wrath. Paul says the wrath of God is being revealed. And how does God's wrath be revealed today? He says when a nation says, we don't want God, we don't want to honor him, so God gives them over. And you see that downward spiral in Romans 1 that we are literally, visibly seeing, lived out in this day, and it seems like every month there's something new and something worse. But that doesn't compare to the tribulation wrath which is a warning of the coming eternal wrath that is to follow. And so people today worship Mother Nature because they refuse to give God thanks or praise, and so we've substituted evolution in some foolish Christian men who call themselves apologists who are doing a great disservice to the Christian faith, who say that you can believe in theistic evolution. Listen, you cannot believe in theistic evolution and be a because it puts death before the fall. And the Bible is clear that death does not happen until after the fall. And so people are always looking for water on some planet, on some star, because in their mind, water is the womb of life. And God is going to judge the waters of this world, and it's going to be a miserable triple judgment that he brings. So there's the brewing storm, there's the bloody sea, but now there's the burning star. Look at verse 10. It says, the third angel sounded and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a lampos, a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of waters. Now, both Isaiah and Job says that every star God has named and numbered. Uh, there was some, some 
place on the internet some years ago. You could buy a star and have it named after you. I thought, you can't be serious that somebody would spend money to some organization to say, this is my star. Well, listen, God has already got them all named and numbered, all right? So don't waste your money. But God is going to let one of these stars leave the orbit that it's in, and he's going to bring it down to the earth. You say, if that happened, there would be no earth. No, this is a controlled miracle. Just like the miracle in Philippi was a controlled miracle when the earthquake came, just like it was a controlled storm that came upon uh, Jonah in the great fish, this is a controlled star that falls. This colliding star will be controlled such that a third of the rivers and springs of water will be consumed. Our study today is called When Hell Invades the Earth, and it's a sobering reminder of what will happen to those who've not called on the name of the Lord to be their Savior when the tribulation begins. If you'd like to listen again to today's message or any of the studies in our series on the Revelation, use the Search the Scriptures app or visit us online at searchthescriptures.org. You can also order a CD or DVD by calling 877 877- 787-7478 and requesting program REV23. Tomorrow, part two of When Hell Invades the Earth. Join us then as we search the scriptures. Mm-hmm.